Good morning, beloved children of God. The Lord is risen. Oh, y'all got good. Uh, happy Mother's Day to those who are celebrating. Uh, we celebrate with you. To those who may be mourning the loss of a mother or a broken relationship, we mourn with you. Uh, today is a day that uh, many folks in the United States and a few other Western countries celebrate what has come to be called Mother's Day. Celebrate those who birth and nurture and raise us. And whoever it is in your life who may have done that for you or pieces of that for you, uh, may you hold them in your heart and remember them today. Uh, and now we jump into the church's calendar, which means it is the time of Easter. It's the time of resurrection where we proclaim boldly that the Lord is risen. Our passage today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll be picking up where Drew left off last week. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is a fascinating uh, chapter and passage of Scripture for, for lots of reasons. There's a lot going on uh, kind of theologically and philosophically as well as pastorally in uh, the congregation in Corinth. And one of the things that, that Drew's helped us to see is that uh, this church in Corinth planted by Paul uh, one of the first Christian churches to be outside of Jerusalem uh, has a belief, at least among some, if not amongst most of the folks who are there, uh, that there is no resurrection of the dead. And this is not that surprising considering the majority of the first generation of Christians were Jewish because there are many Jewish traditions that do not talk about resurrection of the dead. And so Paul is trying to encourage this church to believe that there is such a thing as the resurrection for lots of reasons. Because if there's no resurrection, then Christ wasn't resurrected. And a whole bunch of others. And so we're going to dive into a piece of that argument today. And Paul likes to argue, so it's a bit of an argument. Uh, and so we're going to pick up in verse 35, if you want to pick up a Bible and follow along, but it's on the screen. Uh, and it reads like this. So this is Paul speaking to the Christians in Corinth in the first century. Uh, folks, he's pastored and loved and nurtured. And he says, but someone, somebody is going to ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that's to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there's one flesh for humans, and another for animals, and another for birds, and another for fish. And there are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Indeed, star differs from star in glory. And we know this even more now with our uh, telescopes and such. And so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, what is planted, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a physical body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. 
Thus, it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. A while ago now, I was a student in elementary school. I remember some things from that time, and I've forgotten most of what happened then. I'm always amazed by how much Desiree remembers from elementary school, even like preschool, knows teachers' names, remembers assignments, friends that she's long since not talked to. I remember barely any of that. I remember getting in trouble. I remember getting spanked when I was going to school in Korea with an oar for running in the halls. I remember getting almost a year's worth of detention because I refused to take a note home to my mother telling her I wasn't doing my homework. These are the things I remember. I remember very few assignments. But there's one that sticks in my mind very vividly. We were going to learn about how plants grow. We were learning about chlorophyll and photosynthesis and a whole host of things, and we did an experiment in class. We took little uh, plastic cups, clear plastic cups, and we got a paper towel really, really wet, and we each got to put a little pea or a bean or something like that in the cup. And we put it in the windowsill where it would get natural light. And over time, that little bean opened up a little bit and this little sprout started to come out. It was like an alien crawling out of a belly or something like that. And then it got a little bit longer and eventually a little leaf came to it. And then we would put it in the dirt and let it do its thing. And I always remember how weird it was to see this thing that my dad would boil and we would eat turn into a plant. It was something that was uh, transformative for me for how I thought about what it means to walk around and see things sprouting and growing. We celebrate Easter in the springtime. Uh, in some ways, this is an accident of history. It happens to be when Passover was and when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Uh, but that's also the time of year where things grow and sprout and blossom and bloom. How many folks have ever had a garden, a vegetable garden, a flower garden? How many of you have ever tried to start uh, to plant something from seed? These little bitty seeds that you put in some dirt and you put some water on top of it, and if you're lucky or if you happen to live in the 21st century and the climate is changing, it's really warm up here and stuff starts to grow, right? And we see this little seed turn into a sprout, into a stalk with some leaves. And over time, depending on the kind of thing you planted, it becomes towering trees or big bushes, right, that even the birds might nest in. And to see that little seed change into the towering tree or the big bush or the vegetable that gives nutrition to whatever animal or human might come across it, uh, the thing that we should remember is it's the exact same 
thing. Right? It's not that the seed was replaced by the plant. It's that the seed became the plant. And Paul gives us this image as the image of the resurrected body. The resurrected body is the seed of our human life transformed into something new, but it's the same body. It's the same creature. It's the same plant that was sown. When I ask you to think about heaven, I wonder what comes to mind. How many of you think of clouds and harps and people floating with wings when you think of heaven? Disembodied spirits, maybe, up in the stars somewhere. How many folks here ever thought or might even think now that after death, we leave our bodies behind here on earth and become spirits only. And even if we don't think that explicitly, we often speak that way, right? And we have biblical language that helps us to do that, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with God and those kinds of things. And so we have this image. We often talk about those we love who have died, who have gone to be with God, and we know that we even might still see their body in the funeral home. We talk about this distinction uh, in ways that uh, I want to encourage us to rethink a little bit. Not to say that we aren't with God, because we are always with God, uh, but to have us think about what we might mean by that. Similarly, how many folks have ever heard a lesson or a sermon or been in a conversation where something is said like, in heaven our differences won't matter? Right? Whether they're our race or our gender or the shapes of our bodies, that these things will no longer exist in the resurrection. And I'm here to tell you today that from what I can gather from Scripture, that that is just not true. You, all of you, 100% of you, of who you are, is saved, and will be resurrected. All of it. The whole package. Not just the parts that are more rational or reasonable. Not just those parts that are more spiritual. But the whole thing is to be resurrected. The Christian tradition has historically insisted on bodily resurrection. It existed in a time of competing philosophies and theologies that had this really strong distinction between the soul and the body. Several Platonic traditions, Plato and those who studied him, several religious traditions from the Middle East insisted that all matter, all things physical were bad, even evil, and should be resisted or tamped down or done away with in the hope that we would escape these prisons, these prisons of flesh and bone. And in that context, Christians said this radical thing. We were created in the image of God. And Jesus was resurrected, and he walked around, and he had a body. And Christians took this so seriously in the early years of the tradition 
that they refused to be cremated. In fact, they'd often be buried in little boxes called ossuaries. And after their flesh wasted away and they went back to being ashes and dust, someone would go in and compile their bones and put them in a nice little box so that when Jesus came back and the resurrection was to happen, it'd be really easy for those bones to get reassembled and the flesh to join them again. Most Christians today don't practice that. Many of us get cremated, and the science of resurrection is something we don't need to get into. So if God can put bones together, he can put dust that's scattered to the wind together. But if you go to Rome or other ancient cities in the Middle East, you will find lots of old churches with basements full of little boxes full of bones because Christians insisted their bodies would be raised again. And so here we find Paul having this conversation with the church in Corinth, and he insists there's a bodily resurrection. He's told us that, uh, and Drew has helped us to see that over the last two weeks in the first part of 1 Corinthians 15. If there's no resurrection, there is no Christianity, Paul says. Jesus couldn't have been raised. There is no hope for our future. We might as well go out and live like the rest of the world if there is no resurrection. And then he says, but someone will say, well, how does this happen? This makes no sense. We know we bury a body and it turns back to dirt. Tell us how this happens. What do you mean when you say there is this resurrection that will be coming? And this is where Paul gets into his spiel about physical bodies and spiritual bodies. We even can think about our dwelling passage today, right? There's the line at the very end. We talked about it in our group, right? That our body of humiliation will be transformed and will conform to Christ's glorious body. This is something that Paul talks about in multiple places. And the best analogy he's got, it's not perfect, but the best analogy he's got is seeds that must die and be buried in the earth only to rise again as something new and more glorious and more nutritious, but still recognizable as that plant just as the seed was. There's something different about our resurrected bodies. That is true. But they are still our bodies. We, all of us, 100% of us, created in the image of God that is being saved and will be resurrected. And so we think about Jesus' resurrected body. We remember Thomas, who could touch the wounds that still existed. Yes, Jesus enters into the space mysteriously. Does he walk through a wall? Does he just show up? We don't know. The body is different. And also, he is recognizably Jesus. And his body bears the scars of his life lived on earth. So Thomas can see them and touch them and feel them and know it is his Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who has been resurrected. Yes, that body is transformed. And also, it is Jesus' body. Then we're told many stories across the Gospels 
of times Jesus eats with people in his resurrected body, with those who walked with him on the road to Emmaus, when he's by the sea cooking fish over a fire, he eats bread and fish with people. And it doesn't fall out of his ghost-like spirit. He's able to chew and digest and eventually go do what humans do with food that digests in their body. Jesus has a real body. He can kind of hide. People don't recognize him right away sometimes when he doesn't want them to. But it's a body that not only can be felt, but can eat and can go to the restroom. He was recognizable as the one known as Jesus of Nazareth so that he could walk around on this earth and have 500 people testify. They saw him after they'd buried him. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of witnesses who could say, I saw him, I know what he looked like. He had the same hair, the same eyes, the same face. So why am I spending so much time talking about this? This might be one of the most obscure theological sermons I've given in a while. Why does this matter? It matters because it reminds us that our bodies are part of God's good creation. And in some way, they are essential to what it means that we are created in the image of God. We know God does not have a body like ours. But there's something about our bodies that is tied to our, crea- our createdness, our creatureliness, and how we bear that image in the world and with one another. Jesus was born into a body and resurrected into a body. And our God taking on human form and human flesh is a a sign of goodwill, an arm outreached to say your bodies are good and beloved and holy and worth resurrecting. This is important, this story about Jesus' resurrection, because it reminds us that our bodies are not mere prisons or cages or temporary, but they're part of who we are and how we're loved by God. If you remember the stories of Jesus' ministry, so often healing came with a touch, not just with a word, not just with a thought, but with physical touch. The sick were healed. The dead were raised. We know God loves us in part because of what we experience in our bodies when we are provided with food or shelter or when someone lovingly gives us a hug in a time of pain or when we feel our heart flutter or our stomach churn when the Spirit moves in our lives or in our community. We're embodied beings. The Christian tradition tells us we are bodies and souls at one time. We know we're loved by God, at least in part, because we feel it, we know it in our bodies. It's important to recognize the resurrection of the body because it reminds us 
that God doesn't reconcile us to himself or to each other by erasing all of our differences, by making us all neutral or the same, but brings us together in our differences, in our particularities, in our bodies. Heaven is not a place where everyone looks exactly the same. Some folks have curly hair, some folks have straight hair, some folks have no hair. Some of us are tall and some of us are short. Some of us are fat and some of us are skinny. Some of us are brown and some of us are not. We're there in our particularities, being reconciled in all the goodness of what it means to be created, all of us in the image of God. People will be from every nation, using every tongue, from every race, bowed at the throne, praising the God of the universe. And finally, the bodily resurrection of Jesus reminds us that God's redeeming all of creation, not just parts of it, not just the spiritual parts, not just the smart parts, but all of it. We've been spending years as a church trying to understand what it means to talk about the kingdom of God and to have this vision of God's salvation that includes a new heaven and a new earth and not just the destruction of everything physical for the spiritual nirvana. That there's actually the redemption of all of creation, including the skin and muscles and vessels and bones of our bodies as they are, as God created them. You, all of you, every piece and part of you is available to the resurrection of God. And so, I encourage you, in light of that, care for your bodies. Don't think it's a prison for your soul. It's part of what it means to be created by God and to be loved by God. Care for it. Enjoy it. Love it. Love your body, whatever it looks like, however hair, much hair you have or don't have. Love it because it's going to be raised by God. It's going to spend eternity with God. And love your neighbors in their bodies. Not just as abstract neighbors to be loved, but real flesh and blood neighbors who live next door and are louder or quieter than you, eat foods that might be different than you, have different standards of what a good lawn looks like or doesn't than you. Love them in their flesh when they are well and when they are sick. Because those bodies... God wants to resurrect. Don't deny your bodily existence or our bodily existence. Don't think of your flesh and bone as somehow less worthy of love than your soul or your spirit. Embrace the fact that God took on a body and was resurrected in a body. A transformed body, yes. One that is imperishable, yes. One that is different in some way that I don't know because I'm not a resurrection scientist. Yes, it is transformed 
It is different. It is eternal. But it is a body. And it is yours. God loves you. God came to earth, took on a body, died, and was resurrected because God loves you. God loves all of you, every single cell, and will raise all of you, 100% of you, from the dead. Here's the thing. We live in a society that often tells us if our bodies aren't quite that fast or that strong or that beautiful or that healthy, that they're not very good. I know that we live in a society where that's the case. And ours is not the only one. If your body doesn't look a particular kind of way, doesn't move a particular kind of way, then it's not as good as the bodies of other people. But I want you to hear this. God loves your body. God took on a body, a scarred, flawed, pre-21st century hygiene body and lived in it well, and died in it well, and was resurrected in a body. And so will you. And this is good news if you have ears to hear and eyes to see. The Lord is risen. <laughs>